we take a moment just maybe this week you you don't feel the goodness of God and so here you are why don't we just ask God show me show me your goodness you believe he can I believe he can so at least one of us in here and I don't know a bunch of you said you could so like God just show me your goodness I want to feel it maybe I want to see it maybe you need to hear it just praised and we worshiped and we sang I give you everything God you are good you are mighty you are holy show us your goodness show us your goodness show your goodness to Keystone show your goodness to us individually show your goodness to our community group show your goodness to our families God, you are good. When we don't see it, we don't feel it, you run after us to show it. So I thank you for that. Your son, Jesus' name, and it is good to sit down. Amen. Amen. I know some of you are up late. It's okay. The disappointment of last night is over. Okay? You are in God's house. We are worshiping the Lord, and it is much sweeter and much better, I promise you, I promise you. As we are in this series called Space, as we're making space for things that, you know, you know you need, you know you need to pay attention to, we say we're going to take this fall uh, all the way up really to Thanksgiving, which is literally in a few weeks, can you believe that? And we are going to decide if we'll really do it, if we're really going to make space for the stuff, the things that matter. How has it been going? First week we did space for wisdom, and then we did our heart. Do you remember my paper mache heart? It's not paper mache, uh, but I keep calling it that. It's just tissue paper. Remember, I found it in the office, but I did cut it myself. I want you to know that uh, we did. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. So we make space for our heart, and then we said, "What? What are we always trying to do? We're always trying to figure out our busyness level." And I've been juggling. John didn't juggle last week. That's disappointing. But uh, but he lit you up with forgiveness. Remember that. Ooh, I feel like when I hear a sermon on forgiveness, I feel like somebody took a tennis ball and just threw it at me and hit me in the head. Do you guys feel like that? I do. I think it's good to talk about that. So we want to learn how to juggle the right things. There's absolutely, it's not a sin to be busy. I think we think it is sometimes, but we want to say, am I busy? Am I juggling the right things? Can somebody throw that back to me? Thank you, Danielle. Ooh, thank you. So are we juggling the right thing? So if you drop one, can you actually pick it back up or does it wreck your life is basically what I'm getting at, right? Today, we make space for something that honestly, when you talk about it, every time I talk about this topic, people get all bent out of shape. Do you know what it is? Money. Money. Make space for money. Does that seem like that's important? Some of you, you're staring at the carpet. You're staring at the carpet. You're afraid in church, right, to talk about money. We, we just, oh, man, I'm telling you, some of you, maybe, maybe you're like, I don't need to make space for money. I got so much money, I don't know what to do with it. Anybody? Let's see some hands. <laughs> Get the buckets ready, guys. But that's kind of the posture people take when a preacher brings up money. They think it's, it's a giving sermon. This, we must be starting a capital campaign. We must be blowing this wall out soon. We're going to build... And that's not at all what I'm doing. Listen, money gets us. You talk about juggling, my man. Oh, my goodness. Talk about that. If we're being honest, it is the thing you try to juggle the most. 
Anybody want to admit that? You're thinking about it all the time. You're talking about it all the time. Oh, but let's not talk about it in here, right? Let's talk about it everywhere else in our life. Every single aspect of our life, let's include this as a topic, but not our spiritual life. Let's leave that out. Let's not do that. Who thinks came up with that idea? Yeah, it's Satan. Someone once brought a family member to Keystone. I was preaching on money, and, uh, and they didn't really talk to me afterwards. They didn't introduce me or anything. And then a year goes by, and they bring that same family member. And guess what I was talking about that time? <laughs> money. And, and they said to me, you're one of those preachers that always talks about money. And so I, oh, that, that hurt, you know. So uh, I found out I'm in good company. Jesus, 15% of everything he said relates to this topic. Uh, he speaks more on this topic, money, possessions, than heaven, hell, and salvation combined. 2,300 verses in the Bible are about it. 16 of the 38 parables, this is their topic. Uh, one out of every 10 verses in the New Testament is about money, wealth, possession, finances. So, yeah, I guess I am one of those preachers, just like Jesus. We probably don't talk about it enough. I, I think Jesus knew it. I think he'd know. I think he knew that we would struggle with this. Why? Why do you think we need to talk about it? Why do you think it's so important? Because of the hold it has on our heart. I will spare you. I'm not going to go get the heart again. It's the hold he has on our heart. Here's not why we need to talk about it, right? Hear me out. This is not why. What I'm about to tell you. God must need my money. God must need it. You guys know one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I quoted this. I actually wrote it down. Psalm 50, 12. He said, God says this. If I were hungry... If I were hungry, I would not tell you. <laughs> I love that. For the world and all its fullness are what? Mine. You want to hear my paraphrase for that? If I did need something, you're the last person I would tell. I don't need anything from you. It's all mine already. So why do you think Jesus, if, if you know, you could check my math on that later. Why do you think Jesus puts so much emphasis on possessions and wealth and finance and things that we value? Why do you think he did that? Here's why. I think God knows that we need to make space for finance. I softened it up a little bit. Finance, right? In other words, he knows that we struggle with, will struggle with, have struggled with the idea of owning things. Money. Because there is a fundamental connection between our spiritual life and how we handle money. Would you agree with me? If you don't, then say, I don't agree with you, you know, but like say it quieter because I think most everybody agrees with that. We just don't like to talk about it. We like to keep it so private, right? Money is the greatest competition you will ever have in your life to God. It's the greatest competition. You say, how is that true? I think I handle it well. You do, but you think about it every day. Who, who in here can honestly say, let's just be complete. We, we're on a money sermon, guys. We'll be honest with each other. I'm not going to ask anybody what they make, okay? I'm not, that's not what I'm getting ready to ask you. But would you say that not a day goes by in your life you don't think about money? Not a single day. It's early today. It's not even 930 yet. So maybe you haven't thought about it yet today, but you will. You will think about it. How many of you just, oh, I, I, no, when I'm watching sports, I don't think about it. Really, you don't think about how much those guys are making? Because <laughs> I do. I think about it. I look it up sometimes. Yeah, thank you. Like, man, it keeps hitting foul balls. For $117 million, that thing needs to get out. Then you look at the payroll of the other team. It's like, well, that makes sense. Okay, they're spending more. 
Not a day goes by. We don't think about how we spend it, how to get it, whether we have enough of it. Money, money, money. It makes the world go round. And we think about it all the time. Jesus talked about it all the time. Matthew 6, no one can serve how many, how many masters, right? Two masters. Nobody can serve two masters, two, two things. Either he will hate the one and love the other or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and what? Money. Do this. Money. Can't do it. You can't, it can't be done. And the people that think they can do it are doing it the worst. I, that's my, I'm convinced of that. First Timothy, Paul wrote this, and we, we really screw this one up sometimes. For the love of money, say love of money. Okay, love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. All kinds of stuff there. Now, we sometimes don't put love of money. Money can be a great tool, can't it? You can do a lot with money. Nothing wrong with that, right? We're saying that when it becomes the idol, when it becomes the absolute center of your universe, it can lead to all kinds of evils. And I'll be honest, I'll just tell you, I don't really like to talk about money. I grew up in a culture where we didn't talk about money. Did anybody grow up in that kind of culture? You guys know where I grew up. I'm not even going to say it. You know I grew up in Eastern Kentucky. But I, we didn't talk about money there. We didn't talk, I bring it up every week. We didn't talk about it. We never asked somebody what they made. But you know what? I knew what everyone made. Did you? Oh, yeah. I knew what the neighbor's house cost. That, we didn't know internet. You just knew. So it's not really super fun because of where I grew up. Yet, yet it's, it's the reality in there that we know Jesus is talking about it all the time, and we know people get uncomfortable when we talk about it. So I don't know. I think that's probably a good place to go because I think it has a hold on us. And I think we try to juggle it into everything. My key verse for today is Proverbs 3.9. I absolutely love this because I think it just encompasses everything I want to say. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Some of you right there argued with me in your head. So I don't have wealth. That's for rich people. I, I get you. If you got a dollar, you got wealth. If you got breath, you got wealth. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Now, I know you're not all farmers in here. I get that. But what that's saying is you give your best. You honor him with your best. My goal is not today not to twist your arm at the end of the service today, and, and you give more money to the church. That is not my goal. My goal is to teach you what God's Word says and to help you make space for this very important topic. If, if you walk out of here just thinking about it differently, I will count that as a success. A success. So how do we do it? We, we bring you to a point where you understand the truth about money, the truth about being generous, the truth about not letting it own you, but the truth about how am I going to honor the Lord with the things that I have? How can I do that? And so my next point here is, are, are you, and I think it's a great question to ask myself and, and you as well, am I or are you, are you burdened or free in the area of finance? And let me, let me color that in a little bit for you because it might seem a little opaque at first. Uh, are you burdened or free in the area of finance? This doesn't mean, the question isn't, do I have a lot of money or a little bit of money? That's not the question. 
The question is, am I burdened or am I free? It's what Proverbs says, right? Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. At first you read that and you're like, so we're just asking for like to be a middle grade team? You know, just give me a 40 and 40 record. That's all I want, right? No, no. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you. You see the danger in not honoring the Lord with your wealth? You start to think you did it. Who is the Lord, or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of God? So what does that look like in your life? How does that play out? How would you say, like, we are honoring the Lord with the things we have? We are honoring the Lord. So here's what I want to say. Let's, let's begin at the end. When, when you die, and every single one of us will die. I know. Great, great news. Great news coming from the front up here today. When you die... You will stand before the holy God that created the entire universe and he will either say welcome or he'll say you lived like a fool. Which do you want? Let's vote now. Welcome or you lived like a fool? Just checking. All right. Interesting. I want welcome. That's what I want. I don't want this to be said about me. I don't want this to be a description of my life, that the land of a rich man produced plentifully. Like, why wouldn't you want that? And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I'll do this. I'll tear down my barns and do what? Build bigger barns. If you grew up in the 90s, what do you see in your head right now? The duck. Money bin. Nobody? You didn't grow up watching Scrooge McDuck? All right, look it up. Money bin. Therefore, I will store all my grain and all my goods, and I'll say to my soul. He actually talks to his soul. Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax. Eat. Drink. Be merry. But God said to him what? What did he say? Did I turn these verses in? What did God say to him? You know what he called him? Fool. You're a fool. Why would he call him a fool? This night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. I want God to look at my life and say, well done, welcome. I don't want him to look at my life or any of your life and say, fool. You, You had so much that you had to build more storage space to store your stuff? It's a lot of stuff. Is it possible that, that many of us right now might be living our, way, our life in such a way that it's foolish? It may make sense in our culture. It may make sense in the way our country operates, our world operates. But in the economy of God, we are living foolishly. Matthew 6 says, again, I want to read it again. Uh, or it, it says in 6, do, do lay up for yourselves treasures, or do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus is giving us a warning, a warning here. If we're laying up all our treasure here, if that's all we think about, if that's all our heart is ever pulled towards, we will, we will be fools and we will be very disappointed. It will all go away. 
So what do you think then, if the enemy knows this, the enemy reads the Bible too, what do you think he's going to push us towards and how to live our life? How do you think he's going to do it? Get more, store up for yourselves, treasures here, do whatever you got to do to get more of that thing, of that stuff, get as much as you possibly can, and when you think you have too much, that's okay, you can get a storage unit and put it all in there. And they sell various sizes. <laughs> do you see where this could lead to bondage and not freedom? First Timothy again. But those who desire, I'm adding the verse before this time. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare. Remember the hook from the first week? That little hook that goes by? It's got a nice piece of bait on it. That's a snare. Into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. Listen, money is one of two things. It is either a gift from God or it is a God. And from what I can tell, it is a razor-thin margin between the two. We struggle with that. We think about that. We obsess about that. Loving money, needing more of it, storing it up for ourselves so we can eat, drink, and be merry. So, how do we do it, right? Making space, making the space we need, right, for finance, for money, it starts with knowing your part, and God's part. God absolutely has a part for you in this. So if you've been a little sleepy up until now, I'm going to ask you to really pay attention to this next part, okay? In fact, just get a little shake out because it's, it's about to go next level. Seriously, nobody's shaking out. All right, thank you. I appreciate the head shake. It's like a bobblehead back there. I love it. Our part, you ready? If I want to make space for money in my life, what is my part? You ready? My part, I am a steward. Everybody say that word with me. I am a steward. Now, some of you right there, because you grew up in church, you're like, I knew it. I knew it. This is a stewardship talk, because that's a church word, isn't it? We don't ever use the word steward anywhere in our life except for church. Steward. This is where it comes. Get the buckets. No. No. I am a what? Say it with me again. I am a steward. I am a steward. Churches sort of stole the word steward. And we turn it into teams that do budgets. But that is not what a steward is. In fact, a little history lesson. That's why I wanted to wake you up. It's an old English feudal term. Who gets excited about that? Who wants to hear more about that? I know you do. Old English feudal term. You ever see the movie Braveheart? Anybody see Braveheart? Can we just yell freedom real quick in your greatest accent? Even like fake Mel's accent. It was great. I don't care. What do I care? Thank you. That was a feudal economic system. That is what was going on there. Trivia break. What year was the KJV Bible written? Anybody know? It was in the height of the feudal system. 1611. That's when they started saying KJV. 1611 is the only book for me. That's when they started. No, they didn't really start saying that then. But this, here's what they would have in the feudal economic system. The feudal, English feudal system, they had a guy in a big castle. Can you guys imagine a big castle? 
In fact, this morning, me and Jennifer were driving to church, and we kind of live up on one ridge, and then we can see the other ridge. And I was like, you know, if we were driving through here in 1600, and we looked on the other side of that ridge, we would think those water towers were big castles. We would be so disappointed when we finally got to them. We'd say, oh, they're just big water towers. What do you use those for? What's clean water? And then she was like, okay, that's enough. I don't want to hear about it. So my, my point is this. There was a big castle on a piece of land probably about the size of Montgomeryville and Bucks County together. That is a feudal system, right? Guess what that person was called? You ready? Really cool name. Lord of the realm. Not rings, realm. He was the Lord of the realm. Are you with me? You following me? Anybody wake up this morning and think you talk about this at church? Okay, guess what? In that system, in that realm, there was a second castle. It was the second biggest castle. And that person, their entire job was to take care of the Lord of the realm's land, his labor, his farming, his finance, his investment, his call to arms, all of those things that he didn't own, but it was his job to take care of it. Guess, trivia number two, guess what his name was? Guess what his title was? Steward. Guess what you are in the kingdom of God? The steward. But guess what we get confused with sometimes? We think we're the Lord of the realm. We think we're the Lord of the realm. And that it's all ours. Remember what God said? Even if I was hungry, wouldn't look at you. Wouldn't come to you, Mark. You're the steward. We are the steward. The steward does not mean church finance. A steward, really, if you want to put it in today's terms, it's like a, a finance manager or an asset manager. And so when we think about stewardship, it's all about being good and faithful and honoring the Lord of the realm, in our case, King Jesus, honoring the Lord of the realm with the things that he gives us to manage. We are stewards. I don't own it, but I get to use it. You and I live in the kingdom of God and we've been given many, many things, many, many things by the king in order that we might take care of, work in, live in his realm. This is an incredible honor that we have been given. I don't own the kingdom, but I've been given incredible opportunity in the kingdom. I don't mean me. I mean us. If you're a Jesus follower, you are a steward of the things that he has given you but we get very confused when it comes to stewardship and ownership. There's this principle that, no, 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 that's mine. That is mine. Can you imagine if the steward said to the guy in the biggest castle, this land is mine. We get that, right? How would that end up? New steward. <laughs> They're still doing that then, right? Off with his head. I don't know if they really said that. Maybe they, did they say that, Danielle? You seem to know those kinds of things. Yeah, they did. Verified. Now, here's what I want to do, because I don't typically bring this up to the stage, but I brought my wallet up here. Yeah, right? Hmm, where are we going with this? This is my wallet. I own it. It's got all my stuff in it that I like. My credit cards, my driver's license, my Hilton uh, Amex card. I own it. Do you see where it could get tricky between me saying I own it and then having to use it as a steward? Because here's the thing. I, I don't know that you totally get it. So we're going to do a little awkward illustration here that some of you are going to hate. Can you, can you get your wallet out? If you don't carry a wallet, you know, maybe your phone will do. If you're a lady, you got a pocketbook, as my mom would say. You can get that out. And I want you to just hold it. Can you just hold it in your arms? Some of you already, you're getting nervous. 
You're like, I don't ever bring money into church. What if I get convicted? And I want you to hold that thing tight. You hold it? You got it? Hold it up. I want to see it. Mm. Three words. I own it. Say it with me. I own it. Did that feel good? I own it. Now, here's, you say, this isn't awkward. Can you just look around the room, find a stranger, and hand your wallet to him? Can't be the person you came with. Can't be the person you came with. Do a little exchange. Feel good? Is that weird? Some of you are like, I'm out. I'm going to get that little keystone box and I'm done. All right, all right, quiet down. Ready? Now you got three words to say here. You ready? I lost it. You said I own it. Then you said what? I lost it. Now, does everybody have a new wallet, new purse? Find another stranger and give that away to them. Give it away. Third time. Third time. You should not have your initial things here. Everyone is super dialed in now. Nobody's thinking about that home run ball. Uh-uh. Listen. All right. Shh, 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 shh. Listen. Listen. I'm going to get close. I'm going to go out on a limb. You're feeling uneasy. That first one wasn't that. It was like, well, I can see it. Some of you are very uneasy. Why do you feel so uneasy? Hmm. Because someone else is controlling what you own. You don't like that. A stranger is holding what is most precious to you. Anybody hand their phone over? There might be World Series tickets on that phone, right? <laughs> and you're like, how quickly? Did I put a passcode? Is it four or six numbers? <laughs> the longer he talks, are we going to get it back? <laughs> are we going to? A stranger is holding it. I just released part of my identity to someone in the room. I kind of lied on the first one. I knew the person next to me, but that third one, I don't even know where it went. I don't even know where it is in this room. You're, e you're uneasy because you release something that you believe you own. But can I ask you this? The second step. Was it as hard to give away the thing that wasn't yours? You didn't even think about that, did you? That's not my phone. I don't care. Take it. It's not my wallet. What do I care? That's the position of steward. It's not mine to give away. It's, it's like the, the Bible says right further on. I'm predicting here. Feelings. I promise you this is where you are. If, if you are struggling right now, guess what? There's a whole Bible verse dedicated to you. It says this in Matthew 6. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And for some of you, your heart is three people down. And you're still thinking about it. You haven't heard anything since I lost it. <laughs> You haven't heard anything since I lost it. All right, you have 10 seconds to get your possessions back. Go ahead, please. Re readjust, check it, check, kind of look through it. See if Connor took a tenor from you. <laughs> okay, take a big breath. It's all there. You've got your little precious back. You did not feel free when you handed your wallet to a complete stranger, even though you knew it was an exercise, you know I'm, I'm not going to give your wallet away. And notice I didn't do it. <laughs> you felt the complete opposite. Even just for a minute is what I was trying to create for you. Even just for a minute, you felt a little worry, a little stress. 
I know he's, he likes to have fun up there. Is, is, where's this going? When you think that you own it, it owns you. Did you hear me? You think that you own it, it owns you. Even a funny little, funny little thing. That's fine. You think that you own it, it owns you. Whether it's money, whether it's a car, whether it's a house, whether it's just paying a bill. You really think you own it, then it really owns you. Money is a gift. But it could be a little God if we're not careful, if we don't stay vigilant on that. Jesus said it. I'll say it again. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Do you guys believe that? So what is my part? I am a steward. So a starting point for money is to ask this question. Is this a treasure to me or is it a tool Am I, am I using it, my treasure, am I using it as a tool or am I just gathering it up? Am I just building a money bin? Am I smog the dragon, right? I'm, a lot of Lord of the Rings stuff going on up here today. Am I laying on a bed of gold and I just want more and more and more? Or is it a tool because I'm a steward? So am I treasuring it? Is it where my heart is? Do I think about it all the time? Is it eating me up inside? I need more. I don't have enough. I can get whatever it is. Why do we do that? And, and here's what I think. So when, when did you when, you, when you gave it away, right? When did you first start to feel uncomfortable? Probably when you said, I lost it, right? You started to feel uncomfortable. But you got really, really kind of comfortable with giving away something that wasn't yours. That's the position of steward. We are not in the biggest castle in the kingdom. But we're in a castle. That's pretty good. Who likes to live in castles? Modern castles, guys, not the old cold ones, right? I want that. God has given me something that I can steward, I can take care of, but it is all his because my part is I am a steward. So what do you think God's part is? You ready? He is the owner. He is the owner. Say that with me. He is the owner. This is everywhere in the Bible. You can't hardly fan through at just random spots and not see something that's like, oh yeah, all his. Look, Psalm, I have a few, obviously. Psalm 104. Oh Lord, how manifold are your works and wisdom. Have you made them all? The earth is full of what? Your creatures. Who's the creator? God. Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I translated this, all mine. Two words. You can memorize that a lot quicker. You say, well, that's like animals, streams. You always go to there in your head, don't you? He owns the animals and the streams and the grass and the cattle on a thousand hills. But, you know, the money I make at my job, that's mine. Haggai, the silver is mine and the gold is mine. Your gold is his. Your silver is his. All the resources that drive the world, it's his. We are just stewards. King David, who would have definitely dominated the four 500 list, right? It, he knew it. It's all his. He wrote this, but, but who am I and what is my people that we should be able thus 
to offer willingly for all things come from you and of your own have we given you. I love that verse. Who, who am I? Who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give generously because we're stewards of the mighty king. You see the difference? All my money, all my money is not my money. My job is my job. I work it. John Cope's my boss. But not really. King Jesus. It, it may be a, a different person's little signature on my paycheck. That's King Jesus' signature. All of this is God's already. I don't own it, but I'm stewarding it. So if I don't own it, it can't own me. Let's ask God to give us a generous heart. I'm going to read you a little thing I read, man, years ago. I've been reading this forever to Keystone Churches. It's a good place to start when we think of, because I think a lot of times we think of money as investments, right? Randy Alcorn, if you've not read his book, The Treasure Principle, order it on Amazon. Don't get it right now because we, we got to have you locked in for the next few minutes here. But get it in the car if you're not driving. Get it in the car. The Treasure Principle. Here's what he says. Financial planners tell us when it comes to your money, don't just think three months or three years ahead. Think 30 years ahead. We probably have financial planners in here, and this isn't a dig on you. That is good advice, financial advice, right? Christ, the ultimate investment counselor, he says, don't ask how your investment will be paying off in just 30 years. Ask how it will be paying off in 30 million years. You see the difference? What am I doing right now that will still be paying off in 30 million years? Am I investing in the kingdom right now? Am I being a good steward of what God gave me? So much so that I will see return for 30 million years. There's a million ways you can take that. There really is. A million ways you can take that. The one I want to end with is this, because it, it actually doesn't have anything to do with money. But it does have to do with investing. Have you made the most important decision in your life? Not what you'll do with your money. Not what you'll do with your stock. But what you'll do with your life. The absolute most valuable thing you have. What are you going to do with it? The Bible says that if I confess my sins to God who owns everything and created everything, if I confess my sins to him, he will forgive me. It's kind of like a debt. I owe a debt that I can't repay. And he says, I will pay it. I won't make it go away. I'll pay it. I'll pay your debt. And he paid it through his son, Jesus. King Jesus. Can you imagine the Lord of the realm came down out of his huge castle and said, I'm going to give you a castle. And if you will invest in that, it'll pay for eternity. Some of you have never made that decision. You might be so caught up in what's in your wallet or what's not in your wallet that you've never really thought about it. So I'm going to ask you in our, our last minute here to just close your eyes and let's talk to the holy God. And if you're here and you're like, I have never made that decision. I've never decided to push all in with the Lord. I'm going to ask you right now. I'll just give you that opportunity. I'm not the one giving you the opportunity, by the way. The Holy Spirit is the one who's calling you to him. Not Pastor Mark. 
But you can speak to Jesus and he will speak to you. And you say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. It means I know I've made mistakes. I know I'm a sinner. I believe that you came in humility for me. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead for me. Come into my life. Be my savior. Be my Lord. From this day forward, I will invest your kingdom alone. If you prayed that, I would love to know it. You can find me after the service. You can find anybody with a here to help tag on them and they will find someone you can talk to about the greatest investment you can ever make in your life. But everyone else, as we're sitting here and we're praying, don't, don't let it on you. Make space. Be generous. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Amen.